listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. I do want to say hi to everybody joining us online, or if you're listening to the podcast, we're glad that you're with us, and I hope that it's an encouragement to you. Uh, for those of you who <clears throat> may be saying, who is this guy, why were people uh, like applauding earlier, it's just that I've been gone for a while and I'm a familiar face, so it's kind of comforting, and anyhow, I'm back. I'll tell you, every year I do a study break, and it's really healthy uh, for me. I think in the end, it's, as the lead pastor, it's probably healthy for the church as well. And I go and visit other churches, and I always like to see what God's doing in other places, and it's good to pull away, to have time with God, to read, to be quiet, to distance myself from the everyday issues of the church. But I, it's like this every single year. You know, I go visit these other churches and I just find myself feeling like Dorothy, you know, wanting to click my heels together. There's no place like home. There's no, I love TVC. I love what God's done in our church family out in the middle of Barry County, you know, which is, which is this rural area. I love what God has done. I love how God is at work in our church. I just was uh, part of the two and a half days of the Detroit mission trip. I was there for the full two days. I came back just a bit early because we had church last night. What a tremendous thing that was. We had a great crowd. This was such a cool thing. Is that cool or what? And um, just shy of 80 people. Stace, I'm not sure if this is working or not. Oh, there it is. Okay, well, wow. She has miracle powers right there. Uh, anyhow, just such a cool thing. And people serving, I, I would love that I could talk for a long time about the cool things that happened on that. But the difference that we make, the lower levels of crime and all the different things that happen as a result of these people who gather, we join along together with about 10,000 people and just invade this neighborhood for a week period. And it is such a cool thing. But what I always love is I love the way that our church family, of course, we stay at a hotel and then we drive in and work on the projects, come back, how they encourage each other. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of tormenting that goes on as well, all right? That, that's actually a culture at TVC, is if you're not getting teased by somebody, maybe they're mad at you, all right? In fact, sometimes people will come to me and say, those people really torment you a lot. And I say, I deserve every bit of it, all right? This is, I got this coming because that is what I do. To, you don't have to applaud, all right? That's just... <laughs> It's just, I, I, I know I deserve it. But the way they encourage each other, it is so amazing to me and so encouraging to watch. And I just, I just love it. And then on top of that, I just want to say to this church family, thank you so many of you have encouraged me in so many ways. The words you say. I wonder sometimes if we realize the power of our words. I wonder sometimes if we realize how impactful our words can be just a handful of words, just letting someone know you care about them, you're praying for them, whatever it is, how powerful those are. Of course, you remember what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. He said, words are powerful. Take them what? Okay, let's see if we can get more than six people to do it. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Serious. Take your words seriously, Jesus says. Why? Words can be your salvation, and words can also be your damnation. And you know this is true. Every one of us have felt the damning power of words from somebody who's spoken critically and meanly and sarcastically to us. Every one of us have felt the encouragement that comes, words that can lift us up. Words have enormous power. Right words, spoken at the right time, can have an enormous impact. There's only one other ingredient that's critically important in that equation. You have to have the right words, they have to be spoken at the right time, and then, of course, they have to be heard. 
You have to actually be listening. And so not only is it important what you say and the words you use, but the fact that you, 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 you actually are listening. I think, this is me, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think a lot of times good words are spoken, uplifting words, and somebody's not, well, they're not paying attention to what you're saying. They're not listening. And this is true confession on my part, but I'm just going to be honest with you. This is an ongoing struggle for me. Can anybody relate to this? I find myself sometimes in the middle of a conversation and I realize that I have checked out while they're talking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm nodding my head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, you're nodding your head. You didn't hear anything I just said right now. You're just, you're just this, we all do this, and I'm guilty. I'll tell you where this happens a lot is in marriage. <laughs> I mean, this, this is just a terrible thing, but sometimes Anne will be talking to me, and she'll be going on and on. Well, I, that doesn't sound good, but I mean, she'll be talking, you know. She, she, She'll have a lot to say to me, all right? And I'm listening, and I don't consciously choose to start ignoring her. Something just happens in me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I just go off to another place. And I'll suddenly, this is what will happen, is suddenly I'll come back to the present, and I'll realize she was talking, and there's a large blank area in my mind of the last three minutes of whatever it was she was saying. And this is the part that's bad. See, because where I could say, I'm sorry, I just lost you. What did you say? I don't want to say that. I don't like to say that to anybody. I'll mishear somebody. And, and, and it's like, I know I didn't catch what they said, but there's a part of me that just goes, just shut up and nod your head like you know what they're saying. And I'll do that with Anne sometimes because I don't want to say to my wife, I'm sorry, I just went off to la-la land. While you were talking to me, it just doesn't feel like a smart thing to do in my life. But we all do that. Would you agree with that? We all have these times where we just, we're just listening to somebody and suddenly we, we just wander off. Or, or we're listening to them, but we put our own spin on what they're saying. So this, again, this is a big one in marriage. Come on, married couples, tell me if this hasn't happened to you. This has certainly happened to Ann and I plenty. Is that I'll say, well, you said, and then I'll say it, and she'll say, I never said that. I never said, ever had that happen to you? I never, I said, yes, you did, you said, and then I will quote it verbatim according to what I think it was. She'd say, I never said that. There have been times that I wished like we had recorders in the house, like they had, remember Nixon's uh, Oval Office, you know? Some of you are like, Nixon? Who's that? Never mind, all right? You, you, you're too young. But, 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 but sometimes I wish we had recorders so I could go back and replay it. And show that I was right. Of course, I only want them to record when I'm right and nice and replay in the same way. It doesn't work that way, of course, but this, this happens all the time. I think mishearing happens a lot. And I think that's why series like this one that we're doing called Red Letter Days, where we're talking about the most important words you'll ever hear, the words of God, the words of Jesus, which many Bibles, they will put in red. Going back over and re-listening, paying attention, not missing them is critically important, particularly the words of Jesus, because they're so powerful. You know what Jesus said about his words? I, way back when we started this series, I, I, I talked about this, and I want to bring this up again. This is from the, the message paraphrase, but I love how this says, John 6, 63, Jesus says, every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word. And so it is life-making. This is so powerful to understand that what Jesus spoke, the words that Jesus said, they're not just, you know, good advice. They're not just, now here's something to think about. Here's something. They are spirit words 
And thus they are life-making. They produce life. And so you have to treat them differently. When Jesus speaks, you don't just go, well, that, you know, that, was, that was a pretty good idea. Now, I know some of you, you're not sure where you're at with God, and I totally understand that you have to figure that whole thing out. But those of us who are followers of Christ, we understand the words of Jesus, they're huge. Every word he's spoken is a spirit word, and so it is life-making. This is way more than good advice or good things to think about. And so this week we're going to talk about some more. And we've been doing this now for a lot of weeks. I mean, this is like number 11 in this series. We're doing it through the whole summer. And this weekend, I want to talk about just a small statement that he made. But we're going to read a bunch of verses in advance of it to get there. I'll put it up on the screen. This is found in John chapter 10. And you can read along if you'd like, but I'll read it to you. He says, he's speaking now. In response to religious leaders who had basically said to him, you're, you're like the devil, or you're of the devil, or you're a child of the devil, or whatever. And so he says, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, these are the religious leaders. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, he uses this metaphor, a sheep pen, who does not enter it by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech or this metaphor, but the, the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, so Jesus speaks again. He says, very truly, I tell you. He's trying to get them to pay attention. I am the gate for the sheep. He says, I'm the way. In effect, I'm the one that helps you connect with God. I'm the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep, true sheep, have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. They will go out. They will find pasture. The thief, now this is verse 10 of John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I underline this next part because this one I want to zero on. I have come that they may have what? Let's try it again. I have come that they may have and have it to to the full. These... These are what I would describe this weekend as the red-letter words that I want us to look at. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Now, this is a fairly well-known verse, and many Christians love to talk about this verse. In fact, I would say, as soon as you hear it, see, what Jesus does is he basically, in this one sentence, says, here's why I came and what happens. I came so that you could have life and you can have it to the full. It's real simple. But as soon as we hear that, we begin to interpret it through our own lens. You, everybody does this. You, know, you bring your, your experiences and your, your hurts and your victories and all that. You bring all that to this statement. And so I've heard this over the years. Many people have interpreted this basically that God's saying, hey, I came so that you can have everything you want. You're going you're gonna to have the good life. You're going to have it all. You just follow Jesus. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be wonderful. Usually that interpretation doesn't last long for them because they realize that life really doesn't work that way. But a lot of people interpret it that way. A lot of people do. A lot of people interpret it. Jesus saying, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full as meaning you're going to live a long life on this earth. Some will interpret it as meaning what he's really talking about is that you're going to have eternal life. There are a lot of different ways that you can kind of come at this. 
And what I want to do this weekend is I want to come at this verse from a little bit different perspective. I want to talk about something that I hope will provoke you, will make you think a little bit. See, because what I think, and I understand, you can argue this, you may not agree, but I think when Jesus is talking about full life, about life, when he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, I think what Jesus is referring to when he says life is he's referring to what I call the right now. Here's why I say that. Because life can't be lived next year. We don't know what's going to happen next year. Life can't be lived last week. That's already gone. Life can only be lived in the right, say it with me, now. I think that what Jesus was saying when he said this, at least in part, is that I've come that you may be able to live life fully now. Because by default, that's the only time you're really going to be living life. Now the problem with many of us is, and this is why I think he had to come, so that he came so that we could have this vertical relationship with God. He provided the way. He's the gate. He's how we connect with God. And what happens in so many of our lives, even those of us who are Christ followers, is we live our We go through our days, we go through our moments acting like we have to be God. So this is what happens. We're in the middle of a moment. You can only live right now. You're only living right now. Not next year, not last year, not last week, not tomorrow. You're only living right now. And this is what many of us do, is that while we're in the middle of right now, we're trying to make it better and fix it and resolve things and do things and we're busy and we're crazy and we're going after things 90 miles an hour and instead of living right now in this moment, we are missing the life that God wants us to have. I think Jesus was saying, I have come so that you with your God connection can experience the life that you have when life happens, which is only right, what? Now. But many of us, Many of us are missing it. And I'm going to just start this this talk really by telling you, I'm not preaching on a platform because I have this figured out. I'm on a platform just basically, I guess, so that people can see better from the back. But that's all. I don't have this all figured out. And this is a wrestling match for me on an ongoing basis. But I think many of us are living our lives. And we're missing the very thing we want. Because we're so anxious about how we're going to fix tomorrow, or make it better, or we're going to fit more in, or we're going to do all this stuff, and we're, we're busy over here, and we're crazy over here, and we're anxious, and we're, we're, we're feeling bad about the past, or we're, whatever it is, and we're missing the life that we have, which can only happen right when? Now. And we're missing it because we're focused in every direction. But what happens is, is that when you become aware of the presence of God, that he is with you, then you understand this simple thing. There is a God, and I ain't him, and he is for me, so it will be okay. Now, there's so much power in that. I want to say it again. I don't want you to miss this. When you have this awareness that God is there with you, and that's your choice, you realize that there is a God. It is not me. So I can't do all the stuff that God does, but he is for me, so it will be all right. Amen? And then there's something that happens in you when you get that. Instead of feeling like i got to grab more, i got to push more, i got to make more happen, i gotta, I got to do all this stuff, there's something in you that kind of, it's like it releases. 
And so you begin to enjoy and experience the moment that you're in and live that moment fully. And it's an amazing thing, really, when you begin to see it happen. Now, that doesn't mean that when you have that life that you sit around like a blob, it's like, oh, I'm aware of Jesus, so I just never do anything. You know, I just watch Netflix all day or play video games. No, you still plan, you still work, you do all that stuff. But there's a difference in how you see life. You're living with the moment. Now, now I want to just talk about a few attributes of people who live life fully. And I often miss this, but when I am living life fully, one thing is, is that I am aware of what's happening around me. I'm aware of the moments that I am in. And, and of course, Jesus is the ex- ultimate example of this. Some, some of you have heard me talk about this in messages in the past. Jesus was so remarkable because he'd just be going along, like somebody would say, could you come and heal my child? You know, and he'd be like, Sure. And he'd just head off in that direction. He's just there in that moment. And then someone would come from the side and go, oh, Jesus, I, could you, could you? And he'd be like, okay. And he'd go over and do this one. Most of us would think he needs medication for his ADD. But what Jesus was beautifully, and he lived this out, was he lived in the moment he was in. And he lived fully. And there's enormous power. There's a a place where he has a few of his disciples to go up on a mountain and this amazing thing happens. And I think it's, it's a great image of the difference between how we could live and should live the way Jesus did and how we often live. So uh, this is, is, is found in um, Mark chapter 9. It says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and he led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them, meaning I think like they could see him in the spiritual realm, as it were. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than any in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. Elijah is a prophet of old. So if you read Old Testament, New Testament, he was Old Testament character, very significant, been dead a long time. And Moses, a huge character in the Israelite history, of course, and an Old Testament character, and Moses had been dead a long time, and they're talking with Jesus. So this is a mind-blowing experience. Peter, James, and John go up a mountain with Jesus. Suddenly there's, and they know it's Elijah and it's Moses, and they're talking to Jesus like, oh my gosh. And so then it says, and I love this, it says, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then parenthetically, it does say, he didn't know what to say because they were so frightened. But then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, obviously the Father, and said, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with him except Jesus. This is a classic story. So here's Jesus, and he's with Elijah, and he's with Moses, and he's talking. And he's just there in the moment. However long that's going to be, cool. And here's Peter. This is amazing. we got to make this last long. So let's set up some tents so that everybody can have a place to stay and we can hang out around the campfire or whatever it is he had in his mind. And this is a classic human thing that we do, is that we have a good moment and one of the first thoughts that comes to us is, this is good, what we need of it is more and longer and better. And so we push it this way and we push it that way and we try to bring stuff in, which is what he's doing. He's like, I, and I can relate to Peter because Peter was clearly a verbal processor. He blurted stuff out. And so he's just like, blah, blah. He, you know, he should have just kept his mouth shut and been there in the moment. But what does Peter do? Hey, this is cool. Let's make it so it lasts longer. 
Do you think you're ever guilty of that one? I see nobody's saying amen. They're just all like, oh, shut up. You know, I understand. I understand. It's like there's something in us, I think sometimes, that just can't be. That just can't be. Just can't let the moment unfold and be a part of what's happening right now. We have to push it. We have to make it more. We cannot just say, you know what, I am so blessed by what God's done in my life right here, right now. It's not perfect. It's not all everything it could be. But this is where I am. And I think sometimes we just miss that. See, because full life is not when you make it better in two years. Full life is only what you can have right now. And we miss it. I think we do this with all kinds of stuff. I'm horribly guilty of this, all right? So even as I'm working on this, I'm like, I should not preach this. I'm terrible. You know, I just, I, I mean, even with something as silly as ice cream. We do this with ice cream. And, and I bet a lot of you are just as guilty as I am of this. Our, uh, one of my, my sons and his wife have taken us to this place, and, and there's a lot of places like this. We've gone there several times. And, and it's where you walk in, and they give you this giant cup, and then you go to where they have the ice cream, and it's self-serve, and there's, you know, chocolate, vanilla, and different flavors, and you're like, you're tasting, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we can mix this and see. And then you go from there over to this large table that has everything heaven has ever made to put on the ice cream. And I remember the last time I went with him. So I went back and I, I, I got probably, I thought, oh, I think I got more ice cream than I should have got, but it just all looks so good. And I tried to actually put in more flavors than I probably should have, but I just stuffed them in there. And then I went up to the table and I'm like, okay, what will I get? Well, the voice in my head said, all of it. <laughs> Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about or am I all alone? It's like, it's all wonderful. And so I'm like, oh, this is good, and I think that goes with this, and that I can put over in this corner, you know, just in case. And, and, and I kept adding it. Now, the way you pay there is by weight. I hadn't thought that through. So when I got up and I saw it was actually, you know, concaving, the, you know, it was, it was like weighing down the thing, I, I realized how much I paid for it. But here's the interesting thing. There, there, there were these little red bubble things in there with kind of a sauce with them, and I said, well, that's got to be good. And so I put a big blob of those in there, and... And I paid for it, and I took one bite, and I was like, oh. and it was horrible. But I ate every bite, because I knew how much I'd paid for that thing. And so I had one stupid experience after another, because I couldn't just enjoy ice cream. See, some of you are like, and you can stop right now. I'm not saying it's wrong to mix flavors or add toppings. I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm saying there is this propensity inside of us, and I think you'd be lying if you deny it, that so often, instead of just being in the moment and letting the moment be, we want to push the envelope. We want to bring more in. We want to bring it around. We got to make stuff happen, and we got to do it fast. Come on. Am I speaking truth here? And it's what we do with ourselves all too often. I'm, I, I, just while we're talking about how bad I am, let's just go on for a second, all right? I am a fast eater. I wouldn't even describe myself as a fast eater. I'd describe myself as a gulper. Are there any 
people like me in here, fast eaters, you find yourself, and you don't even, it's mostly guys, yeah, that are raising their hands, but you don't even know why you're eating fast. You're just, you sit down, you're like that, you know, and then you're done. It's like Beauty and the Beast, and you look horrible, and there's food on you and everything, you're like, well, I'm done, I'm stuffed, you know, yeah, you are, and this is just, it's just like, I don't even know why I do it, it's just, it's just there because I'm going to the next thing instead of just being in the moment and tasting it. So, so a few weeks ago, our new son, grandson, Abraham, who, by the way, is so cool, and this is a picture of him, yeah, I, I kind of expected you to go, oh, you know, it's really, he's, he's, just, he's just this beautiful baby. Well, anyhow, uh, we invited him over for uh, dinner one night, and I said, if you have to bring your parents, my son Mike and his, his wife Faith, go ahead, but, you know, otherwise just you. And so they all came over, and we're having dinner, and Anne had made this, um, she'd made this, it was really a delightful small little salad course for the start of the meal. And uh, we sat down, we ate, the, we ate the salad course. It was really nice. And, uh, of course, it was like two bites for me. I was done watching the others finish eating. And, and, uh, and then Abraham, being a baby, started fussing and crying and everything. And I said, I said let me hold him, because they were going to pick him up. I said, you guys do that all the time. Let me hold him. They're like, no, no, you can't. I said, let me hold him. You know, I love this kid. He's so adorable. And so I'm holding Abraham in my arms. And they're eating the main course. And I'm watching them eat. And then when they got done with the main course, and I never missed nothing bothered me. I'm just like with him the whole time going, you are so amazing, you know. And, and then they get down with the main course and Ann says, now I'll take him and you can eat. And I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. She's like, I will take him. You know, so I, I mean, this is, you have to be a grandparent to really appreciate this, all right. But, but it's like, okay, okay. So, so and then I, then I started eating the main course. This amazing thing had happened because I was just there in the moment with Abraham and I'd eaten this small amount of salad. I wasn't that hungry. And after they left, I said to Ann, I said, I think I ate about half of what I usually eat. And she said, that's because you had a little time between for your brain to tell you, you know, you've already had food. You don't need to have 20 pounds more food. Does anybody know what I'm talking about or is this just me? So we're rushing and we're pushing and what we've become is unaware that life is what's happening right now. This is what life is. Life is the thing that's happening right now. So, so first, of course, I mean, and, and this is just a huge thing. I'm, I'm aware when I'm living full life. Second thing is, is I respond to the things that are happening now. You know, a lot of people interpreted Jesus saying, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest, meaning you won't have a hard time. But Jesus never said that. And actually what Jesus predicted is that in this life you will have trouble. That, that we live in a broken world. Bad things happen. And so you say, well, how can living fully now when things are really painful and really hard, how can that be good? I'm not saying it's easy, but I want you to think about this. And some of you, you, you need to hear this one. This is really important. I think sometimes when we get into difficult places, all we can think about is how to get out of it, how to get away from it. And why has this happened to us and we didn't deserve it? And I think we miss that in the middle of those things, often those are the times that God is growing us the most. And we see that in retrospect. Sometimes we look back and say, that time was hard as hell. It was horrible. But I grew more there than I've grown in all the positive up seasons in my life. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And this is what happens. 
is that instead of living fully into it, maybe living fully into it means you're crying or you're screaming in anger or whatever it is, but you are living in this moment, not simply trying to escape it. And some of us just need to hear that because you're in a time right now and all you can think of is if I can just get through this, if I can just get through this, if I can just get through this, this is where life is. Life happens when? Now. Not later. Now. And whatever God wants to teach you, just you, you really, I think that there's, see, inside you can know that God is with me and He is still God and I'm still not and I don't know what the future holds and I don't like this right now. But God will take me through this. And so you live into the moment of whatever it is you're experiencing. There's, there's enormous power there. And I think some of us just need to hear this. I love how God encourages the Israelites. You know the story, many of you do. They're, they're trying to escape from the Egyptian bondage that they've been in for all these hundreds of years, and it's so difficult, and they're running away. And Pharaoh changes his mind. At first he let them go, the rule of the land, and then he says, no, no, I'm not going to let them go. And so they find themselves facing the Red Sea on one side and Pharaoh coming to destroy them on the other, and it looks hopeless. And then God speaks through Moses, their leader, in such a sweet way. I love this verse. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Is that a good verse or what? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to what? Say it again. Be still. Stop fighting, trying to escape. Stop pushing more into it. Just be still. See, when you're living life fully, you are aware of what's happening around you and you're living into, you're responding to right now. And then another thing you're doing, and these are all similar and they're tied together, but when I'm, when I'm living full life, I'm aware, I'm responding to now, and I live this adventure. Now, here, here's the reason why I put this in even as a thought. Because I think everybody wants adventure in their lives. All of us, we want adventure. You, you want adventure, I want adventure. Some of us, adventure is going to be like a night out and watching, you know, a movie. Others, it's going to be jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. You know, other people, it's going to be scuba diving or whatever it is. But like, you have certain things that you view as adventure. And the problem comes is that I think sometimes we think the adventures in our lives are those things that are coming. And we miss that the adventures in our lives are always happening and that you're actually in an adventure right now. But we miss that. And I know some of you are going, well, I don't consider that an adventure. I know. You, you don't think it's an adventure. But come on, I just said this. Can you look back on certain times in your life that you wanted to get out of and you realize now that was a great adventure, that God was growing me and doing really powerful things? You bet you can. Every one of us can. See, the problem is, is that when we're rushing, trying to fix, change, add to, push, and not just letting it unfold and be, this is what happens is we miss the adventure that we're in. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think what I'm in right now really is an adventure. Let me just ask you a question. If Jesus walked into the room, or, or if you're you know, watching online, you're in the living room, if he walks in and he sits down next to you, he sits down right next to you, and he leans over and says, you want to spend the next day together? 
Do you think when you say yes that you're going to have an adventure? Oh yeah. Listen, He has and it is. Because He is with you. And it is an adventure. And I know sometimes it just feels like you're in a hurry to get somewhere. But I'm telling you, when you're standing in line at Meyer and you feel like you got the worst checkout person in the history of humankind, and when you're angry and you have places to go and things to do, you are there in the middle of an adventure. Don't make me say this is good preaching. It really is. I, I talked to someone at the, after the service last night, and she just said, that whole thing with Meyer, I'm going to have to think about that. I'm not sure I'm buying that at all. See, I think we miss, and I'm, I'm not preaching down at you. I struggle with this. Trust me. I mean, Ann and I were behind, uh, we were driving the car recently in the mountains, and um, this car came up behind me, clearly somebody that was local and knew their way around, and, and they wanted to go faster than I was going. I said, Sometimes when I look in the rearview mirror and I see somebody like that and they're close to me and like I can tell they're in a hurry, I just think they're angry. I said, sometimes I think about myself because I kind of can be that way. And Ann said, I always think of you when someone comes up in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I, 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 I struggle with this too. It's like, I got to get somewhere. I got to do this. I got to make this happen or whatever it is. Instead of just living life fully right now, in this moment. And so we miss it. We, we don't live in the adventure we're in. And I don't know what your adventure is. I don't even know what my current adventure is exactly. But I know this, is that when I stop and slow down and I realize you are here, it's amazing, and you're for me, and I don't have to fix everything and make it happen, I can become aware, I can, I can live into the moment, I can, I can let this adventure unfold and be with it. I mean, it comes down, I think, really to a choice. You want to live it or do you want to miss it? Really. So it was such a great uh, mission trip this year. I loved it to Detroit where we went and served. I was thinking about the one we were in last year. It was so cool because uh, there was a group of us guys uh, we were going around doing these smaller projects, and we met this gal, and she called herself Auntie Nay. Auntie Nay. And um, she, the house she lived in, the street, she lived on a dead-end street. I think there may have been one other house that was, uh, had someone living in it. The rest of them were abandoned, and I mean in horrible shape. And, and her house was the kind of house that I think almost every one of us lis- listening to this talk would say, that, that's rough to live in a house like that. Here, here's a, a, a picture of Auntie Nay, and And she lives in such uh, despairing conditions. This is what I talk, everybody that goes on the mission trip to Detroit, they will say, I did not know. I did not know. I was two and a half hours away from third world conditions that are unbelievable. Where streets, where you go down a street, and there might be one or two houses lived in, and the rest of it's just empty, horrible conditions. And here she is in the midst of that, And she could, and probably in many ways, most of us would be complaining and talking about how difficult life is. And this woman, she's so amazing and inspiring to me because if she could get her hands on something to give away, she had tables out in front of her house. She had tables down at the end of the street corner. 
you know, not on the dead end, on the other end where people could see it. And she put canned food on them. She put clothes on them. And her vision, she'd actually gotten a city to either give her or allow her to use some of the houses that were empty around her. And she was fixing them up to use them for tutoring, to, to help people to do stuff. And I thought to myself, I'd be sitting in that thinking, if I can just get out of this to where I want to be, then I can live. And she is living in this moment. And that's what I want. So can I just ask you, I mean, this just, how are you doing with this? Would you say you're, would you say you're living fully in most of your moments? That's why Jesus came. Or would you say you're missing a lot of stuff because you're pushing, stuffing, grabbing, instead of letting it unfold? Now, I know some of you may say, well, I'd like to change that. What do I do? And again, I, I'm, I can't give you exact answers because I'm wrestling with this myself on a regular basis. But I can tell you a couple things that I think are real important. One is, I, I don't think you can do this in high speed. I think you have to slow down. I think this is a word that some of you may walk away with this week is that God's actually saying to you, I will fight for you. All you have to do is be still. Slow down a little bit. Slow down a little bit and watch for me. And that's the second thing, and I think that is, is that you have to make the decision. I need to pay more attention to what's happening right now. Do any of you ever feel like sometimes you're so focused on the stuff you've got to do that you miss the things that are happening around you, right? In the, anybody know what I'm talking about? I feel like I live a lot of my life that way, where I'm so, I'm so like crazy busy going after this that I miss this moment that I'm in. In, in fact, this hit me, you know, when I was giving this talk last night. The regret that I have for spending so much of my life anxious about the future and missing time with my own kids. If you've got young kids... Take advice from an old guy. Don't do that. Don't do that. Live in the moment. Watch. Watch what's happening around you. And again, this to me, this drives home the, the power of small groups. We call them life groups at TVC, but, but the power of groups because you get people that know you and sometimes they'll just say two or three words and they'll speak into your life something that you weren't seeing. And you're like, oh, you're missing what's happening right now. Sometimes somebody else can see it and you're not seeing it. Be a part of a life group. And then the last one, of course, is most important, and that is that you invite God into the moments of your life. And, and I'll just say this to you, really. I, I mean, I, I don't think when you invite God, like if you say to God, I want to invite you into this moment, that God's going to go, awesome, I'll show up. He's already there. What you're really doing is you're opening yourself up to say, I see you. I see you. I acknowledge your presence, that you are with me. And I remember who you are and who I'm not. I'm not God. I can't fix this. I can't make this all better. But you will take care of it and me, and it will be okay. Amen? Sometimes I think we just have to stop again and say, God, now, right now, I just need you. So I open myself up. I invite you into this moment. We should be doing that all the time. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're a person who would say, I love God. I'm, I'm trying to live to follow him. 
but you get so caught up in stuff that you miss Him and you miss life a lot. Maybe that needs to change. Maybe you'd say, I'm so far from God, Jeff. I, I wouldn't know Him if He walked up to me on the street. Or maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. I'm going to pray in a moment. And if you have never made the decision to follow Christ, or, or if you need to recommit your life to Him, you can just do that right now. It's that simple. Let's just bow our heads and we'll pray. Holy Spirit, help us to open our hearts to you. If, if you're here and you say, that's me, Jeff, that is me, then I invite you just to say to God on the inside right now, just say, I believe, Jesus. I don't understand it all, but I believe. I believe. I believe in you, that you're God, that you gave your life for me. Just say to him, I believe, and I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. Just say that. I believe, and I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. Only say it if you mean it. And if you pray that simple prayer, just tell him, just, I'm, I'm in. I will follow you. And if you pray that, that changes something in you. There is an opening in your heart, and God moves into your life in a new way. And so now, Holy Spirit, touch these hearts that have said, I want to follow you. Lord, we don't understand it all. We don't have it all figured out. Help them to grow in you. Help them to find their place in you. Move by your Spirit. And I trust that you will do that. I trust that you will help them and bless them. And all of us, we just say, for those who have made decisions, yay, God, for you working in people's lives. Amen, church. Yay, God, for what he's doing. For people making decisions for him. So uh, if you would, we'd love to get a book in your hand if you made a decision or recommitted your life to Christ. Go out to the next step area and you can ask them for that. They'd be glad to give you that book free. Let's stand to our feet and I'll send you out with a blessing. May you go with the peace of God and be aware of him. Hey, if God spoke to you, if you feel like this is a message that helped you, invite somebody to church or tell somebody about how God's at work in your life. See what he does. So you go in the grace of God. And with an awareness and a full life. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. And we have people in front who'd love to pray with you if you have a prayer.